Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome everybody back to another recording of the podcast from the shot. I am here in Sydney with Charles Burke. Hello, hey gang. And we're delighted to have joining us to enlighten us about everything that's been going on in Old Blighty and the brouhaha, the brulio over the cricket and baseball, uh, Mr Gideon Haig. G'day, I'm in Leeds. It's uh, Leeds. a little bit inclement out there, so uh, so it'll be classic English conditions for the first morning of the third test. Well, um, I think the English, they've got a lot to fight for in this third test after the first two, I think it's fair to say, where they have lost unceremoniously. Um, the second test for reasons that um, they continue to raise criticisms and challenges about it. We'll get to that. But before we do... Um, They've lost despite having adopted, like, the ubiquitous word um, of the series seems to be Bazball, um, which I confess I'd never heard of until the Ashes series, so I don't know how far it actually dates back um, and when their new Kiwi coach joined them. Um, so perhaps you can just enlighten us a little bit first, Gideon, about Bazball and what it says about their form of cricket and about the yep. British psyche at the moment, the English, let's be clear, the English psyche at the moment. That's a very big subject. Basketball is relatively straightforward. England went through a sequence under the captaincy of Joe Root and the coaching of Chris Silverwood, in which they won one test match in 17. Uh, they got absolutely <laughs> pantsed out here during the ashes of 2021-22. So when having exhausted all other means of playing cricket and failing conventionally, they decided to <laughs> succeed unconventionally. So they uh, promoted Ben Stokes to uh, to captain. They made Brendan McCullum uh, a New Zealand former New Zealand captain with a reputation in for T20 coaching uh, as their new national coach, and they set out to play uh, a more expansive, uh, more flamboyant version of the game, rather at odds with the uh, kind of English tradition of, of doer professionalism. And lo and behold, they started to win games because when another team is attacking you, it can be quite confronting. You don't necessarily have a, uh, a ready solution to, uh, to such a heterodox approach. So they went through a sequence of uh, being absolutely unbeatable at home and away, and uh, so they were they were licking licking their lips at the prospect of facing Australia off in their own conditions, where traditionally they've done pretty well over the last twenty years. Uh, and in fact, baseball has had the effect of bringing the two teams closer together. These two test matches have been very close, mm. uh, and one or other thing happening and going the other way in either of these two test matches could have made the difference between Australia leading two 0 and in leading 2-0. So it's actually been tremendously watchable cricket. Uh, the test match at Lords was fantastic on mm. that last day. That innings by Stokes is just absolutely outstanding. And he is a hugely admirable captain. Um, obviously, his players would do anything for him. So, look, Australia did 
they, they were shocked initially. They, they didn't quite know how to respond. You know, they, they were taken for 393 on the, on the first day of the series, but they've gradually worked their way back just simply by sticking to first principles and playing the game that they want to play. They're a highly skillful, highly experienced, a highly professional team, and they've managed to slow the tempo of the cricket down to a speed that, that better suits them. Uh, so you've got this English trying to tug the game in one direction, England trying to tug the game in another. And that's the essence of, of test cricket at its best. It's really dynamic. It's really tactical. Great man for man contests and, and clashes of philosophies, if you like. Well, I saw one wonderful statistic about the first test, which was that England scored its runs, all of its runs, off about 800 balls. And Australia, which scored you know one more run, <laughs> um, took 1,200 balls to do the same yeah. thing. So they were they were playing two different games, but I then had I had several arguments with English friends who all went, yeah, so that proves England was better. And it's like, but they didn't win. <laughs> and, it, and it sort of feel, feels a little bit like their attitude to Brexit in a way, which is, yeah, well, we did what we wanted to do and we're better. And it's like, but you it, you didn't win with Brexit. <laughs> like, you lot, like you've totally punched yourself in the face with that. Is, is there a sort of element of self-delusion about baseball that it's sort of it's all great but it didn't actually seem to work that well well the ultimate delusion is uh this belief that somehow england has a monopoly on the spirit of cricket mm. uh we, i mean mccullum one of his uh public remarks talked about the uh, england being on a crusade to save test cricket and in the aftermath of the Bearstow dumping, both Stokes and McCullum said that they would never want to win a game that way. Uh, it would be against the uh, the principles of their of their evangelical mission. So I think there is a sense that England are getting high on their own supply here. Uh, Australia have just stuck to doing what they've always done, which is playing hard, committed, fair cricket and not yielding the chip of a bale. It's Frustrating at times that the two nations seem to be divided by a common game, but that's the essence of the Ashes. It, 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 um, it's, it's one of those areas. It's a, it's a kind of a safe space in global cricket relations where the two countries can be as rude about each other as, <laughs> as they like. And at the end of the day, you know, a joke's never too far away. It, it, it can actually be conducted in, uh, in a relatively civilised and, and self-contained manner. Although, I mean, it's been getting pretty tasty over here. It's been as tasty as I can remember. Uh, my, um, my, my colleague, Peter Lawler, who's just sitting here at the kitchen table, he says hello. Oh, uh, hello, Peter. Submitted, <laughs> Sorry. submitted to the, uh, um, the interrogation of, uh, of Piers Morgan the other night. I don't know whether oh. you caught up. Oh, no. This is, this, is, you know, this is sort of meat and drink to uh, English shock jocks. Oh, my God, yes. Well, Piers Morgan has been. I, don't, I can't think who it was who tweeted that actually Piers Morgan's response to the um, the best so stumping, if anything, elevated our enjoyment of the victory <laughs> in the test by that way. And yeah. it was, you know, it just kept on giving. Um, so I shall certainly uh, go and look for the footage mm. of Peter being interviewed by peers. I think about the baseball, um, and we'll get in more detail to the, the stumping in a minute, was a, a, a bit like the British or the English, let's be, again, specific, is that, as you say, Ian, they were they had started to win. 
Um, and, you know, one in 17 tests was a pretty abysmal record off which to build. Um, but they had started to win. But when it came, when they came up against the Australians who were able to adapt and get their measure and stick to their strategy and their game, they didn't seem, the, the English then didn't seem to be able to adapt. So yeah, they seemed yeah. sort of stuck in their swashbuckling style and, and not be able to even move slowly across, you know, the full yeah. five days to cope with the fact that they weren't getting the results they had hoped to. I mean, baseball has lost its shock value uh, in some ways. You know, play, t- teams have had a year to think about how you're going to address it. And Australia's come up with a very successful plan. They use short bowling at, uh, at Lords. Uh, they were successful with that. You could tell the English were frustrated with the with the tempo of the game. They chafed against it, and it and it caught up with them. And the, and the, probably that Test match pivoted on that on that half hour. Uh, in, in the end, I almost think the Bearstow thing was kind of a bit of an addendum to uh, to mm. uh, the ascendant in that in that game, uh, and to kind of blame um, that dismissal for the for the final result is a, is a bit of a stretch. Well, no, a look, bit of a cop out, really. No, don't underestimate baseball. I think it has been freeing for the English players. I've seen lots of English teams kind of captured by this sort of iron maiden of defence and not quite knowing what to do, but but sort of regimented, almost regimented in their failure. Uh, everyone plays better when they're playing a more aggressive, more natural, uh, more fluid. open, open-ended uh, kind of game. And look, let's, you know, England players, no matter what you may think of them, are very, very talented ball sportsmen. So yeah. everyone could sign up for a message like that. It's kind of, it's exciting if you're, if you're part of it. Hey, I can imagine the atmosphere in that England dressing room. Uh, is, is pretty, um, pretty exalted. They're, um, they're in a, they're in a, they're in an elevated state. Mm-hmm. But some, Following- but it's difficult to sustain an elevated state. Over five days, with the vicissitudes of uh, of, of Test cricket, uh, so you're right. They haven't found a way to to rein it in. They haven't found a way to restrain it. They haven't found a way to redirect it to kind of go around the Australian obstacle. But maybe they'll work that out in this Test match. Mm. Yeah. Well, look. Hopefully they will. Although they were reported, I think, as saying that you know they hadn't actually been looking um, at the Australian tactics. They just seemed a bit bamboozled by the fact that they weren't winning. And now, of course, as you rightly point out, they they have a scapegoat. They have found themselves a scapegoat yeah. for their defeat in the second Test, yeah. uh, in namely Australia's allegedly unsportsmanlike behaviour by yeah. um, you know deploying the rules of the game set by the very ground and club on which they were playing. Um, I love that. To, yeah. I mean, that seems to be like the best um, point about all of this, the sort of the exemplar of how ludicrous the whole situation is. Um, and I think there's two things really here to discuss. There's, first of all, there is the the way, the overall response um, that first the cricketers and then the commentators and then indeed the British government <laughs> has had about the stumping itself. But then yep. the way, whatever you may think of the stumping, the way their position was, you know, fatally undermined by the behaviour of the members of the MCC oh, itself. You just couldn't write this stuff. <laughs> uh, it's just absolute joy. And you're absolutely right. Had that had that dismissal taken place involving any other countries, uh, England versus anyone else, Australia versus anyone else, and if it had taken place anywhere but Lords, it would have been it would have been a squib. It would have been a nothing. It would have it would have passed very quickly. But there's also there's also you know the fact that this is a very congested summer. Test matches are following very closely on top of one another, which kind of adds a a propulsion to the to, to the narrative. And now we're segueing straight into the next test. 
that that adds a lot to the uh, to, to the febrile atmosphere. But I think what was interesting, you talking about how the um, the English seem to have adopted this sort of um, militant sense of stewardship over sportsmanship in cricket and saving the test. But it really kind of came across as more this sort of Edwardian colonial nostalgia for you know the nirvana that never existed. Really, this particularly in a world where cricket is so professionalised and is so hyper-competitive and indeed the type of cricket that they're playing with this baseball is drawn more from the monetized short-form versions of the mm, game. Yeah. So yeah. there's these sort of contradictions all over the place, quite apart from so the many. fact that all the Australians did was follow the rules. So many. And and we need to be careful here not to just use the uh, the, the expression, the English. Uh, they're far from monolithic in their response. Mm. It's a it's kind of a militant minority uh, who kind of scratch each other's sores and egg one another on. I played a game of cricket a couple of days ago uh, with, a, with an English team against another English team. And frankly, everyone on both sides said it's completely fair. Mm. And I don't know yeah. what the MCMs are going on about. Uh, I think most sensible people who've played cricket to a decent standard understand that that's completely within the game. Uh, they've probably been in club matches where it's taken place. So, you know, it's Piers Morgan is not representative. I mean, surprise, surprise. Piers Morgan is not a representative <laughs> no. view in England. But what These, do you I think mean, then? He's very biggest. <laughs> but in your article, you mentioned how Kawaja, like when, you know, you're sort of saying, yeah, it's fair enough, like chanting on the ground is just part sure. of the, the sort of thing. Yeah. But actually the whole problem with Lords is you've got to walk up all these stairs. If you're a player and you've just got out or you, you're going off yep. to lunch, you've got to walk through the members' area and up the stairs where all the members are. Just You're, like, you're literally in stabbing distance of, of the players. And and you say you know, that is a privilege, right? Like that's something that... Yeah, yeah. And, and but Kawaja, the only Muslim member of the Australian team... You, you say was sort of singled out in that uh, in that booing melee. Well, he was the one who actually stopped in order to uh, to to have a word with uh, with one member about his uh, his language, and it looked it was a terrible look. You know, in the last mm. uh, couple of weeks, uh, a report has been released into English cricket and its accessibility for minorities. Um, it's uh, it's openness to um, other cultural experiences. And its conclusion, you know, kill surprise, is that there are elements of racism and, uh, and, and classism in, uh, in I mean, I mean, really, I mean, who knew that this could possibly be so? Now, I mean, I think to be, to be absolutely fair, I'm not sure too many other uh, cricket countries would stand up to the same interrogation. Uh, there are plenty of barriers to entry for other races and, uh, and other cultural experiences in other nations. Uh, but you know, to choose this particular week for a, a, a you know an impurpled apoplectic MCC member, <laughs> it's just a horrendous look. Uh, I don't think. I mean, obviously these things are spur of the moment, but so was Alex Carey's act, and, and that was actually under the pressure of, uh, of being on the cricket field. The MCC members have got no excuse at all. Mm. No, they have no excuse. And I, I mean, I must say, I find it extraordinary that the cricketers do have to walk past um, the members in that kind of way. But more the only ground in the world where that happens, and it's great. I mean, it's a fantastic mm. thing. If you've ever been in the locker room, you know, to hear that the. the 
the uh, well, the can just on that though, Gideon. I I would not be in the long room though, would I? Because I think the only female who has set foot in the long room um, at all is the late Queen Elizabeth II. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a friend of mine told me a fantastic story about being in the pavilion the day that that happened and hearing you know charters talking to Caldecott and say, yeah, there's a ballet woman in there. <laughs> and one the other one, yeah. That's the queen. <laughs> so she got kind of honorary male status for the day. I mean, they are now women allowed to be members, but still not allowed yeah. in the long room, or has that changed subsequently to setting no, foot? I've been in the long room for a while, but I know people who were in the long room on that day, and they said it was horrendous, absolutely horrendous, uh, including MCC members who were mortified by what was going on. And, and uh, who yeah. couldn't believe foolish they were. Who are they? Like paint a picture. Is it is it Lord Tompi Toppington the third, the inbred heir there's, of the there's, there's a bit of that. But it's you know it's 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 you know upper upper middle class. You you got to pay an awful lot to become a member. Mm. Uh, it contains enormous privileges because it's actually because you know it's, it's the most venerable ground in the world and it's got a relatively small capacity. So uh, you know, I think pretty something. didn't pretty Patel pay forty five thousand pounds. It's it's about that. I've heard up to eighty thousand. So yeah. um, so it's kind of yeah, it's a bit absurd. Uh, if you if you were going to uh, to refilm that Monty Python sketch, upper class twit of the year, the long <laughs> route would be where you did it. <laughs> now look, before we let you go, there is of course other cricket taking place in uh, England at the moment with the women's team over there, yep. and they suffered their first. Def- Beat in what, like 29 matches or something overnight, yeah. which keeps the Ashes alive, albeit probably only for a very short time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, spoken like a true Australian there, Joe. Look, I mean, I mean one, of the, one of the problems, I think, for for international women's cricket is that Australia is so strong. Uh, it's, it is a dilemma for, for women's cricket. And the equalising forces that pertain in leagues and associations don't exist. So Australia can just go on being very, very strong and perhaps succeedingly stronger. But England in their own conditions are a handy team. Um, they are working their way towards similar levels of, uh, of professionalism. And it's great that they can compete. Uh, so it's, you know, it's temporarily bad for Australia, but it's probably good for the women's game. Mm. Can I ask just about that? Because the way the Ashes are done with the women is that it's a point system, right? Yeah. So the T20 yeah. counts towards the points of the Ashes. But it can't possibly be an equal number of points, can it? Like losing one no, T20. Is, so how does it work? Oh, look, I don't know exactly, but you're right. The Test match uh, attracts a premium point uh, ODIs, which are basically the, which are the main form of interest. Uh, International women's cricket, mm. uh, commanders of their points and, and T20s with a proportional discount. Right. But that's simply because test matches are so scarce in, uh, in in women's cricket. You couldn't decide the Ashes in a single test match. It would be quite unfair. Well, just to finish up then, Gideon, the thing about the test match in the women's test match in England played just recently, it was actually, I think, only the second time that there had been a five-day test Um, and the first time the third day had been rained out and that was a standalone test back in 92 so but it was apparently brilliant Um, and that fifth day did seem to make all the difference so do you think that they will be able to go back or that now we can hope to have five day tests more generally for women well I think if the if the if there's guaranteed to be an audience and there is an increasing audience for uh, for for women's cricket um, you know if there Joe if there's a buck in it then then it'll happen (laughs) the art 
everything it is towards money. Yeah, so despite the stewardship of the spirit of the oh, game, yeah, yeah. in the end, the mighty dollar or the um, the pound will be it what does. wins out. Mm. <laughs> well, look, thank- moment, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Look, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule um, to speak to us uh, and to our um, uh, enthusiastic listeners. Um, we're very grateful. No problem. Thanks, Joe. See you, Charles. Thank you. Thank you. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.